Hey everyone, this is Brett. And this is Nick. And we want to announce we're having meetups in New York and Chicago next week. The first one's in Manhattan on Tuesday, November 10th, and the second one is in Chicago on Thursday, November 12th. Now, Nick, the Chicago one is extra special. Why? Because I will be there. That is right. In <laughs> Chicago, we'll have the full Where There's Smoke team. In New York, I'll be holding the fort alone. So I'm going to give details on New York first, and then Nick, you to Chicago. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. So New York City, Tuesday, November 10th. It's going to be happy hour into the evening. So you can come right after work or come a little bit later. We will be there. Start time is 6.30. End time is whenever we leave. The location was suggested by a listener. It's going to be held at the Hi-Fi in the East Village. We've got the back room reserved just for us. So when you arrive, come on back. We have our own bar, jukebox. The Hi-Fi is located at 169 Avenue A between 10th and 11th Street. Again, it's in the East Village. Start time is 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday, November 10th. Nick? People of Chicago, we will be seeing you two days later on Thursday, November 12th. Another happy hour event will start at 6.30 and Brett and I will be there until the end. It is located at Woodhaven Bar and Kitchen in River North. The address is 712 North Clark Street between West Superior and West Huron. So again, 6.30, Woodhaven Bar and Kitchen in River North on Thursday, November 12th. We'd love to meet you. Awesome. So if you're going to be coming to either event, let us know on Twitter or Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. We'll send out an email with all the details as well. And we're really excited to connect with old listeners and some new listeners that have found us since season two. Anything else, Nick? Nope. We'll see you in Chicago and let's get on with the show. And say Pope Francis embraced Davis and thanked her for her courage. Every girl in the picture is locked into her phone. Social media firestorm continues tonight over Caitlyn Jenner, Lauren Hill, and this year's ESPN Award for Courage in Sports. Planned Parenthood says a full version shows Nucatola saying they don't sell fetal tissue. It's all donated. After a two-year investigation, the Republican-led Intelligence Committee found no wrongdoing by the Obama administration. Words. Everywhere we look, we see them, we hear them. They make up the thoughts and feelings that are all around us. And for most of us, they are the primary way that we communicate to the world who we are. Sources say that roughly 205 billion emails are sent every day. 3.5 billion Facebook messages are posted daily and 40 million tweets are shared in each 24-hour period. These days, we don't have to drive down highways to see billboards. We have the internet, newsfeed, TV, and radio to bring the billboards to us. And many of us chime in sharing our thoughts, mm. feelings, Yay. frustrations, Yay. passions, kittens. We share our words at a very high rate. We talk, text, tweet, chat, and whatever else seemingly 24-7. But in this process of sharing so many words, both in speed and quantity, I wonder if we treat them with the same care we once did. Also, do we ever stop to truly consider their power? Actions speak louder than words. We've all heard the expression. It's a concept that gets talked about a lot in leadership circles. But well before that, it's the kind of statement that I'm sure most of our parents or teachers said to us at one time or another. It's a sort of commonplace, ubiquitous wisdom that really isn't worth questioning. But as we were talking through this episode on words, we had a thought. What if the phrase, action speaks louder than words, 
wasn't always true? And what if, in our modern times, it's the opposite? Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. This week, we word up and discuss the power of words and the impact they can have on ourselves and others. We announce the specifics of our meetups in New York and Chicago, plus WTS digs, shoutouts, and other randomness. My name is Brett Gaida, and I am your host. In 1997, Don Miguel Ruiz released the book, The Four Agreements. The book spent seven years on the New York Times bestsellers list and has been translated into 38 languages. In the book, Ruiz uses interpretations of ancient Toltec wisdom to reveal the sources of beliefs that cause us suffering and provides a powerful code of conduct to transform our lives to greater freedom, happiness, and love. This code of conduct is presented as four agreements that we must make with ourselves. The first agreement is stated as, be impeccable with your word. And lately I've been thinking about the specificity of that word, impeccable. Defined as relating to behavior, performance, or appearance in accordance with the highest standards of propriety, free from fault or error. Now one could hear all that and think it is unattainable, as certainly none of us are perfect or faultless in anything we do, let alone with our word. However, I translate the phrase as an aspiration, which is to say that you don't need to achieve impeccable. The value is in being aware of it, working toward it, and getting better at it. There are many layers to that first agreement in Don Miguel's book. He speaks of integrity, saying what you mean, not speaking against yourself or others, and using your word in the direction of positivity and love. And each of those layers could be discussed at great length. For the moment, however, let's discuss a simple and yet powerful idea that encompasses all of them. Handling our word with care. To at least give some level of care and attention to what we say, what we share, and what we put out there. Often when I am online these days, it can seem like the internet has turned into a town hall meeting where the only attendees are descendants of the Hatfields and McCoys. And in addition to how positioned and unopened many people are, they also seem to feel no responsibility to be educated on the issues they speak on. From gun control to Uber, healthcare to the Middle East, Airbnb to GMOs, and maybe, maybe this isn't you. And if the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. But there are so many people taking stances online about things they have little or zero knowledge on. Do you try to avoid GMOs in your diet? Absolutely. Why? Because they're not good for you. What is a GMO? It's, it's a genetically monitored... I don't know, what is it? And I'm going to suggest that even if you are mostly conscious of this, we have all been guilty of speaking from a place of little knowledge. 
We see something on TV or online, it pushes our buttons or validates one of our beliefs. We have an emotional reaction to it, positive or negative. We get riled up and out comes a status update, comment, email, or tweet. Just going back over the last four months, we can name several topics and events that elicited this type of response from us or others we know. The baseball selfie sorority girls, Airbnb, Pope meeting Kim Davis, FIFA, Planned Parenthood, Uber, Ahmed the Clockmaker, Syria, Gun Control, Caitlyn Jenner's S vaccinations, and of course, the ongoing reverberations from Deflategate. People on, on the outside looking in are saying this has gone on for so long. We had the last ruling. Tom Brady was allowed to play, and now you're going to appeal that. There are those that are saying, why keep it going? Why don't we just let this thing die? And in all of these cases, people were guilty of speaking out without all the facts. And in some cases, without any facts. And then you have the media. Well, they certainly don't lead by example, do they? I mean, these days, a large percentage of news media seems more concerned with getting clicks and scoops than getting sources and facts. And the danger here is that the public seems to validate the idiom, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. People not only take what they hear as truth, but they tend to believe whatever they hear first. And it is very hard to sway them after that. Here is sports writer Bill Simmons talking about that very thing on his podcast as it pertains to the public's perception of the Flategate. Just get out early with whatever narrative you want to push. Mm -hmm. And when people see that on a ticker and they see it reported and talked about and talked about ad nauseum on all the different sports channels, they assume it's true. Well, right. it turned out not to be true. And what's funny is people still think it's true. According to an ABC News ESPN poll, almost 70% of quote-unquote avid fans believe Tom Brady is a cheater. And yet contrary to anyone's opinion, even after a full investigation and report, there's no evidence, none, that the New England Patriots deflated footballs during the playoff game against the Indianapolis Colts on January 18th 2015 in a game won by the Patriots by a score of 45 to 7. Okay, Brett. Now, I believe you, and I believe Bill Simmons, and I haven't done the research, and I also think you wouldn't come on the podcast unless you felt strongly about this, but having said all that, I still think that Tom Brady knew something and that something weird happened, and it's a feeling that's really, really hard for me to shake despite whatever you may say to me. And you are not alone in thinking that, Nick. And here's the thing, I'm not saying that the New England Patriots did or didn't deflate a football or two. And if they did, I'm not saying that Tom Brady didn't know about it. What I'm saying is that currently, Tom Brady's reputation is tarnished not based on fact, aka things we know to be true. It is tarnished based on a narrative created largely by the media. And so, as Dr. Abraham Morgenthaler wrote in a thorough piece on Deflategate, sports may not be life or death. You know, one can argue, so what? Brady has made millions from football. Yet the real victim here is truth and science. Facts matter. What he is saying is that if we all start believing fiction as facts, well, then we all lose. So even if you don't care about sports, you should still care about this kind of reporting. 
because it is definitely not limited to sports, nor is this even where the most dangerous stories are weaved. I mean, just this last week, the World Health Organization attacked bacon. Bacon! If you fancy sinking your teeth into a bacon butty, you may want to think again. The World Health Organization has announced that processed meat such as bacon, ham and sausages can cause cancer. WNYC's On the Media was on the case last week as this story went mainstream. Host Brooke Gladstone set out to find actual facts on what the report meant. What a concept. She sought to find out whether or not bacon is as dangerous as smoking, arsenic, and asbestos as some news agencies announced. Not surprisingly, her investigation uncovered that much of this story was misleading, not true, and presented out of context. She spoke to Ivan Oransky, co-founder of Retraction Watch. He commented on how things are often simplified in the media and packaged to provide quick answers, often at the cost of accuracy and responsibility. A lot of public health organizations haven't really figured out how to communicate effectively to the public. They do what a lot of journalists do, which is, well, you know, I'm just reporting what it says, and whatever happens afterwards, well, that's just the reader's problem. But is it? Is it just the reader's problem? Let's move away from the media and back to you and I. What are the prices we might be paying for this casual approach to communication? Because as they say, casualness causes casualties. Going back to Don Miguel Ruiz's first agreement, be impeccable with your word, he further breaks this down into four subpoints. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. And use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. If I were to ask you, do you gossip? Do you spread rumors? Do you feel that it's important to say the truth? What would you say? Well, before you answer, let's read the dictionary definition for gossip. Gossip is information about the behavior and personal lives of other people. While we're at it, a rumor is a story or statement in general circulation without confirmation or certainty as to facts. So in a world where we post articles on Facebook walls and race to tweet our friends when a major news story happens, can we honestly say that we don't gossip or spread rumors? Now look, I'm not here to persecute anyone. First off, we all gossip. I mean, that's just talking about other people, factual or not. I mean, by definition, if I were to tell you that my brother just got a hot tub, that's gossip. <laughs> which, which, by the way, is totally true, and I'm super stoked. I got to finish a show up so I can go over to his house for a soak and a beer. But, but, but hey, don't, don't tell anyone else, okay? I, I don't want a whole bunch of people to show up at my brother's house and him to think they heard it from me, you know, if you know what I mean. So we all gossip. And rumors? Well, again, we've all been guilty. Sharing something that someone told us someone said with no way to verify beyond hearsay. Sharing a story on social media that moved us to tears or laughter or frustration or anger without checking its validity. Changing the way we treat someone because we heard something we didn't like and in turn influencing how others treat them, again, with no certainty of its truth. 
Now, as I said earlier in the show, we're just raising some awareness. We're not looking to be perfect. Both of these nouns are linked to a third noun we just previously mentioned, integrity, which many talk about in relation to its definition as the quality of being honest and fair. However, I feel a more powerful idea, and the one Don Miguel Ruiz was likely referring to, is its relation to a sense of wholeness. The word integrity, from the Latin integer, meaning complete, whole. You see, integrity is about wholeness. It's about living up to our values at all times, completely. Much like the structural integrity of a bridge refers to its ability to support weight and force without breaking, tearing apart, or collapsing, our integrity is our ability to withstand the forces around us and not break our values, beliefs, and principles. He's the type of guy that men want to be around because he has integrity, you know? He has character. You can't fake that. So if you think of yourself as someone who doesn't spread rumors, someone who is honest, someone who prides themselves on their integrity, perhaps it is time to look inward. Are you holding yourself to the same standards when you post online? If you were in a room in front of 20 of the people you most respected in the world, would you say out loud what you typed on Facebook earlier today? If the link you are sharing on Twitter was about your best friend, sister, father, daughter, nephew, would you take it at face value? Or would you look into it more before you made up your mind? I mean, what if you just took a moment to ask yourself, is this true? Do I know it's true? You know, why do I feel this way? Are these the feelings, ideas, emotions that I want to be putting into the world? Can I stand behind this statement with all that I am? Just taking moments to make sure that you are honoring your word, that you are speaking from a place of knowledge and alignment with your values, that the words you are typing or are about to speak match your intent and elevate your character. Here is a viewer on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday episode that featured the four agreements. Even in my journal. To be impeccable with your word, you have to have a keen sense of what you want to say. So a keen sense of intent, what do I want to say, and then action, to use my intent to back that up with my words. So it's first to understand what do I want to say, and then how do I want to say it. And so it is not just about being factually correct, because that's not what any of this is really about. You know, being correct is simply a byproduct of what I think this is really all about, which is caring, which is being impeccable with your word, which is understanding that what you say has power and that what you say matters. And so it's important to stop and ask ourselves, are we checking into that power, that impact before we speak, whatever the medium? The fact is sometimes the best thing we can say is nothing. Choosing to shut our mouths or our laptops, or maybe it is choosing to be transparent about what we don't know instead of feeling a need to say what we think we do. 
And in times that we do choose to share, consider what we are going to say. Because we never know which words are going to be the ones that have the greatest impact. We hear, read, and say tens of thousands of words in a day. And yet the impact words make on us is rarely determined by the volume or the quantity. It is the quality. And we must understand that even a few words have the power to change lives. You know, Brett, that's so true. And I actually have a story that I'd like to share that might highlight some of those ideas. It's a story about how just a few words made a huge difference to me. Of course. Please. Well, I'm actually not quite sure where to start this story because everything that's happening at the beginning is really just an escalation of emotions and anxiety that go back years before. But we'll start the story in my early to mid-20s, a time when a lot of people have graduated college. They've moved away. They've gotten jobs. They're moving on with their lives. And for me, though, that wasn't the case. I hadn't graduated. In fact, I wasn't even going to school at this point. I was spending most of my days hanging out by myself in my apartment, and then at night, I would drive around central Illinois and teach music lessons to make some money. I had gotten to this point because I tend to cope with anxiety through avoidance, especially back then, and at that time, that meant avoiding classes, and it meant avoiding homework. On several occasions, uh, I signed up for a course, decided I couldn't take it or didn't want to take it, and then I'd stop going and I avoided dropping the course. And then, of course, I get an F in my transcript. So enough of those, and suddenly I found myself on academic probation from the university. And that just made me feel stupid. And at the time, I didn't recognize in myself, oh, hey, Nick, you're anxious. You're avoiding things to cope with your anxiety. I just thought that I had failed and that I was a failure, that the responsibilities of the world were simply too much for me. And despite my talents, I would just never succeed at this life thing. To make matters worse, I wasn't being totally upfront with my friends and family with how things were going. I mean, they probably could sense something was up, but I didn't actively reach out and say, hey, I'm really struggling, can you help? Because asking people for help in fixing your toilet or hanging a picture is easy, but saying to somebody, I feel like I failed at my entire life. That's difficult to bring yourself to do. And one Sunday afternoon, in the midst of all of this, I was talking to my mom on the phone, and we were talking about the news and politics, family, just usual things. And I can't remember how it started, but we found ourselves discussing what was going on with me. How was school? What was next? Just normal mom things. And I don't know how or why, but I finally just told her what was going on. I wasn't in school, and I didn't see a way back. I had just messed everything up. And I, I specifically remember saying to her that it all that seemed like a good idea, like the school and then teaching and all of that, but that I had messed up too many things and that I was too far off the path to go back. And my mom said to me four little words that changed everything. She said, Nicholas, there is no path. And uh, right away, I felt lighter. I could breathe. And while she did say more, she didn't have to. 
Just hearing those four words, there is no path, was enough. And I sat down with my mom recently and asked her about this moment. And the thing is, she doesn't remember it. Do, do you still agree with that idea? <laughs> is that something you actually believed? Or is that something that at the time was just like, this is going to help? No, I believed that. I believe that for young people like you who go through things and they may be successful or not. And when they're not, they do what you did. They thought they had screwed up their life completely. Yep. And as if there was one way, as if there was one way to do things. And I know that especially when you're young like that in college, you have many, many chances to start over, go in a different direction, not just doing what you think is the perfect way to do it. But you, you, it was difficult for you. I realized that. But it, you didn't mess up. Well, I think that's what I was trying but I to did. say. You I, messed I did. up, but it wasn't like your life. But this happens more than we realize. We say something to somebody in passing, and it can turn their day around, or it can turn their life around. And it's not just me. To help show this idea, here's a quick story my mom told me about an encounter she had with a former student she taught over 40 years ago, when this woman was in first grade. This this woman who I taught as a first grader in 73, 74, so, came I'm all sorry, the way from California to thank me for being her first grade teacher, that she said I was a very important person to her. She said, I remember when you gave me a certificate because my penmanship had improved. <laughs> And she said it meant the world to me, and I still have it. Oh. And she she told me how much she loved me, and she wouldn't have missed this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> really? Is that right? You so, know. So, after my mom said, there is no path, I'd love to say that the story ends with a 180-degree turnaround, that I was able to conquer those anxieties, that I solved all the problems... But we all know that's not usually how life works. Change takes time. It happens in fits and starts. But things did get better, and I was able to get back on track. Get the degree, student teach, get a job. And in my mind, it all goes back to that exact moment, when four simple words changed everything. It's fitting that we are talking about caring in this episode. Because it harkens back to our episode on caring called This Changes Everything. In that episode, we talked about how a simple act of kindness can be like a rock creating a ripple in a calm lake. And just as in that lake, as the ripple goes, it grows. You know, the impact of that small little act gets bigger and bigger and bigger, partly because as we grow, it compounds, but also because of the people that we touch in our lives and all the people they touch and all the people they impact and so on and so on and so on. And words are the same. As Nick just shared, those four words spoken to him by his mom have rippled through his whole life. The question is whether you want to take responsibility for the ripple that your words create, both good and bad. Look, when Nick and I work through scripts for Where There's Smoke, we usually try to end each episode 
with an invitation to change. You know, some small idea that will leave our listeners thinking about how they interact with the world. We try to avoid hard answers because, you know, let's face it, we don't know your life or your stories. And we're just working on all this stuff the same as you are. But this time, there's no real soft landing. There's no, oh yeah, feeling. I mean, it's pretty clear the standard that we need to set for ourselves. To be, as Don Miguel Ruiz says, impeccable with our word. And we need to do this because our words impact not only our thoughts and actions, but they also have a huge impact on the people around us, including the ones closest to us. Between the words we say and the words we type, sometimes we forget that all these words have the same power regardless of the medium. Whether it's to your best friend through a text, a conversation with a stranger on the street, on the phone with your despondent college-age son, or posting something that thousands read around the world. Each word has the power and the potential to create or destroy. Handle your words with care. They matter. We had a fantastic launch event with Roundhouse Radio last Tuesday in Vancouver. I want to thank everyone who came out to the live taping and Q&A. You were an incredible audience. Grazie to Nickley's Next Door for great food, Stag's Hollow Winery and Granville Island for wine and beer respectively. Also, Sinead D'Souza for live tweeting the event and Eric Sadi Photography for taking photos at the event. Now, none of this would have happened if it wasn't for two catalysts in Vancouver, Bill McKaig and Mark Bussey. Thank you, gentlemen, for being great evangelists for the show and ongoing appreciation from where there's smoke to the director of programming for roundhouse radio tracy friesen for inviting us to be a part of that station and indie audio and storytelling host martin strong for talking to us each week you can catch where there's smoke with bonus material every tuesday at 7 p.m pacific on 97.3 in vancouver or roundhouseradio.com to stream it all right so with that it is time now for wts digs so this is a feature where every week Nick and I basically share something we're digging. You know, what we're liking, whether it's uh, music, movies, TV show, book, app, whatever it is, we just share it with you and, and we kind of ask you to maybe share some things with us back on social media. So, Nick, let's start with you this week. What are you uh, digging? Well, this week it's not a TV show, although it starts with a TV show. Uh, but uh, I was watching the Colbert Halloween episode of The Late Show. Had a great interview with Charlie Rose talking about international affairs and issues decked out in a full Frankenstein's monster costume, which is pretty interesting. But at the end of this Halloween show, there was a performance of the song Cerise by the Swedish heavy metal band Ghost. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart. I can see through the stars inside you. And uh, not usually my kind of music, and I was actually a little shocked that CBS let Ghost perform, considering that everyone in the band wears masks, their identities are largely unknown, the lead singer calls himself a demonic anti-pope, and the band observes the time-honored tradition of satanic themes in their lyrics. Uh, so before anyone freaks out, like I, it's pretty clear that it's campy, it's entertainment, like Kiss was, right? 
So basically, they sing about darker themes and they have this huge palette that sort of allows them to do with choruses and mixed meter and, and all kinds of cool things. So my dig is for you to either watch that performance of Ghost on the Late Show with Colbert from last week, or just to go on to YouTube, Spotify, whatever, and listen to the song Cerise, that's C-I-R-I-C-E, and uh, check out Ghost. Awesome. So as uh, we've said before, Nick, we never know what our digs are going to be, right? We, we find out about them live <laughs> as we record this. Yes. So that's really cool that you say that. My, my buddy Matt Williamson in Austin loves that band, and he was going on and on about <laughs> how great they are live. He saw them. He was freaking out about the fact that they were on the Colbert Report. So I, okay, well, yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but now you've kind of given me the extra kick in the butt I need. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go check it out. <laughs> so what are you digging this week? Well, so besides my blanket fort that I'm currently standing under <laughs> recording in New York City, Nick, um, <laughs> I am actually, you know, it's funny, we talk about this, people are going to think we just sit around and watch TV, which we definitely don't. But here's the reality, with the show and, and everything else we both have going on, we're so busy. And for me, like the only break I get is every so often to just put something on and kind of enjoy it. And so my dig is a TV show this week because as I've been flying on planes lately, I've been uh, watching the new season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm. And, um, you know, it's it's a pretty well-known show, but I, I, I love, love, love this show. And I was just talking to a buddy of mine about it this week, and he described it really cool. He said he was trying to get one of his friends to watch it. And he he told him it's the office meets barney miller and uh and the guy was like oh i'd watch that so uh you know it stars adam sandberg and uh and it's got an incredible cast and again as we've t- I talked about with with you're the worst i mean there are no holes in this cast all the way down the line chelsea peretti who's a favorite of both you and i is hilarious in this show um yeah so i love it it's on season three so if you've never seen it you got lots of backlog and it you know my judge for a comedy is always do i laugh out loud like i'm on a plane there's people all around me and i still laugh out loud and i just watched an episode on a plane two days ago and i laughed out loud about six times people were looking at me like what is that dude's problem <laughs> so um yeah so brooklyn 999 is my dig this week you know i gotta say all those millennials are gonna love that barney miller reference <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, if you're out there and you're digging something that you'd like us to know about, make sure that you follow us on Twitter. That's at ExploreWTS. Just say like, hey, I'm a fan of Ghost 2. I'm a fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Or suggest something else that you'd like us to listen to. Thanks. First off, a big thanks to Nick's mom, Barbara Jaworski, for being a part of this week's show. And big thanks to everyone out there listening and sharing the show. We have had an incredibly mind-blowing start to season two, like crazy listener growth. And we just feel blessed and, of course, a continued responsibility to deliver quality to your ears, minds, and hearts. So we'll keep at it. Now let's do some shout-outs. Twitter love, Lulu Miller, who dubbed us the Rumpelstiltskins of Rambles, Andrea Bussey, Jimmy Glee. At Kim Azaguire, Dan Jones, Berto Cirillo, Jesse Lauren, at Matt C. Will, James Turner, Rajani, Isabel Lara, at Audible Critic, and Grant Foster in New Zealand. On Facebook, Colin Easton, Rosalind Farmer, and Christopher Law for great engagements on FB posts. Allie Dawn for her direct message to us. And a shout out to Megan of Asheville, North Carolina for introducing Wendy to the show. And iTunes reviews. Abster called WTS an amazing and life-changing podcast. We got a fantastic review from a longtime podcast listener in Kenya who just discovered our show, Mark Kayegwa. 
Burley Newbie is hooked. Marjorie at a Sustainable Mind is an immediate fan. Joel Bogus deemed us smoking hot. Chelsea McSee called us a cross between a TED Talk and a pep talk. And Elevator Jones, you touched us with your emotional review. Additional thanks to Bruce and Jesse Chris in Canada, Wendy Sid from Australia, David Harris, and UCLA Luck from USA. Are you following the show on Twitter? It is at ExploreWTS. Or find us personally at Brett Guida or at Podcast Monster. Like us on Facebook, search for Where There's Smoke, and get our newsletter. By phone, text the word SMOKE to 66866, or go to our website at www.wherethere'ssmoke.co. Man, that is a lot of ways to stalk us. So this WTS theme song in the background, it was written and recorded by Des McKinney and remixed by our very own Nick Jaworski. Hey Nick, what other artists were featured in this week's show? This week we've got music from Blue Dot Sessions, Lannan's Southern Serenaders, Ben Allison, Poddington Bear, Satellite Ensemble, Lee Rosevere, of course Kevin McLeod, and I wrote some of the music in the segment with my mom. Thanks, Mom. Where There's Smoke is written, verbalized, documented, hypothesized, considered, phrased, translated, typed, spelled, edited, produced, performed, and delivered by Brett Guida and Nick Jaworski. If you're interested in working with Brett as a trainer, speaker, or coach, send an email to brett at wherethersmoke.co. And if you want help making your podcast sound awesome, Nick's company is Podcast Monster. Go to podcastmonster.com or send an email to nick at wherethersmoke.co. Lastly, I find myself thinking that words are kind of like almonds. You know, sometimes you feel like a word, and sometimes you don't. How about just your favorite word? I'm serious, pal. You don't have one? I don't. Nope, sorry. Mine is subjugate. It just sounds so cool, you know? Subjugate. 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 What's yours? Can it be shut the f*** up? Well, that's four words. A sentence, really. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next week.